1: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Park Lawn Corporation Second Quarter 2021 Earnings Call Conference Call. At this time, all lines are in listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question-and-answer session. If at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. This call is being recorded on Friday, August 13, 2021. I would like to turn the conference over to Jennifer Hay, General Counsel. Please go ahead.
2: Thank you, Grant, and good morning, everybody. We'd like to thank you for joining us today. Today's call is being recorded, and a replay will be available after the call. Please be aware that certain information discussed today is forward-looking in nature. Any such information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially. Please see our public filings for more information regarding forward-looking statements. During the call, we will reference non-IFRS financial measures. Although we believe these measures provide useful supplemental information about our financial performance, they are not recognized measures and do not have standardized meanings under IFRS. Please see our public filings for additional information regarding our non-IFRS financial measures, including for reconciliations to the nearest IFRS measures. I will now hand the call over to Park CEO, Brad Green, to open our discussion today.
3: Thank
4: you, Jennifer, and good morning, everyone. In addition to Jennifer, with me on the call today is our CFO, Dan Millett. I'll begin with a discussion of our business highlights from the quarter, and Dan will follow with a more detailed review of our financial results. Next, I will provide a brief outlook of what we expect from our businesses in the second half of the year, and then we will take your questions. Parkland again experienced significant revenue growth in the second quarter of $88.4 million. Revenue grew approximately 8.5% over Q2 2020, despite significant foreign exchange headwinds year over year. Revenue growth from comparable businesses was approximately 13%, excluding the aforementioned foreign exchange headwind, and Parkland achieved adjusted EBITDA of $22.7 million and an approximate 26% margin. So what's behind these numbers? Well, as we all head down the path towards some level of normalcy in both the U.S. and Canada, the COVID 19 virus continues to defy the experts' predictions almost constantly. However, one prediction that is proven to be true through the first part of 2021 is that COVID and COVID related deaths have decreased from the highs in 2020, which was reflected in the acne volume of our comparable businesses. However, the total funeral home call volume, as well as the total cemetery internments, increased quarter over quarter. These increases were driven by both our acquisitions and continued improvements in operating performance. Again, as we anticipated, our funeral average revenue per call increased quarter over quarter as jurisdictional restrictions were lifted in the markets where we operate and families, quite simply, pivoted back to their pre-pandemic choices of celebrating their loved ones with a service and memorialization. That increase was approximately 7%. Furthermore, we continue to see a substantial increase in demand for both pre-need cemetery and pre-need funeral products, including property, services, and merchandise. In addition to closing on the three previously announced acquisitions in North Carolina, Tennessee, and Wisconsin, we closed another acquisition earlier this week in Mississippi and anticipate closing on another premier business in the greater Nashville, Tennessee market later this month. With these two new acquisitions, we have deployed approximately seven million. US dollars so far this year and we're not done making acquisitions in 2021. 75 sorry my, my apologies, 75 million. US dollars so far this year. Our entire team has worked diligently to successfully close these acquisitions in rapid succession and they deserve credit for making parklawn not only the fastest growing but also the premier company in our profession. While I would say the impact of COVID-19 pandemic is far from over, it was reassuring to see our businesses perform exceptionally well with a more normalized call volume. I'd now like to turn the call over to Dan to review our
5: financial results in more detail. Thanks, Brad, and good morning, everyone. You'll find a detailed breakdown of our second quarter results in our financial statements and MD&A, which are available on our website and on CDAR. My comments this morning will focus on the second quarter operating results. As Brad mentioned, the second quarter saw a decrease in call volumes from comparable operations relative to Q2 2020. Total call volume, although increased, helping to contribute to total revenue growth of approximately 8.5%. Revenue grew from $81.5 million in Q2 2020 to $88.4 million in Q2 2021 all while experiencing an 11% foreign exchange headwind due to the appreciation of the Canadian dollar. Currently, approximately 88% of our revenue is generated from our U.S. businesses, and this headwind can have a meaningful impact on our results and is something that does not impact our competitors to the same degree. Ignoring the impact of foreign exchange, our total revenue increased approximately 20%, and revenue from comparable operations grew approximately 13%. With call volumes and internments returning to more traditional levels, averages per event and pre-need sales drove the strong revenue growth from comparable operations seen in Q2. It goes without saying that 2020 was not a typical year as call volumes were affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. However, for Park Lawn, we expect to see continued financial growth driven principally from acquisitions, average revenue per event, and pre-need sales, as the pandemic has acted as a trigger event for our cemetery businesses. On the other side of the coin, the company's operating expenses, including general and administrative, advertising and selling, and maintenance expenses, increased by approximately $2.9 million for the three-month period ended June 30, 2021, over the same period in 2020. This increase is primarily the result of acquired operations offset by the impact of foreign exchange. In addition, when the pandemic hit in Q2 2020, maintenance projects were put on hold, labor furloughed, and costs tightened due due to the uncertainty at that time. This was not the case for the three-month period ended June 30, 2021, as most of PLC's businesses were fully operational. As a result of another quarter of exceptional sales and a commitment to operations, our net earnings attributable to PLC shareholders for Q2 2021 was approximately $7.1 million, or $0.24 cents per share, compared to $6.6 million, or $0.22 cents per share, for Q2 2020. Furthermore, adjusted net earnings attributable to PLC shareholders for the second quarter of this year was approximately $10.8 million, or $0.36 cents per share, compared to $8.8 million, or $0.30 cents per share, in Q2 2020. This represents an increase of approximately 21% in adjusted earnings per share for Parkland shareholders. Our adjusted EBITDA attributable to PLC shareholders for the current quarter was approximately $22.7 million, or $0.75 per share, compared to $19.5 million, or $0.65 per share, for the same quarter in 2020. This represents an increase of adjusted EBITDA of approximately 17% over the same period in 2020. Turning to the balance sheet, We ended the first quarter with approximately $147 million drawn on our revolving credit facility, other debt of approximately $15 million, and cash on hand of approximately $24 million. Excluding our debentures, our net debt was approximately $138 million at June 30, 2021. At the end of June, our leverage ratio was approximately 1.49 times, based on the terms of our credit facility, and approximately 2.43 times, including our outstanding debentures. We believe we are currently well-positioned for and expect future growth through M&A. Including the acquisitions announced yesterday, we estimate our current liquidity is approximately $67 million, which is readily available to be deployed in ongoing and future growth initiatives. We continue to see support from the broader credit markets, and our operations continue to generate free cash flow available for strategic initiatives. I will now turn the call back to Brad for some comments regarding what you can expect as we move forward in 2021 and closing remarks. Thanks, Dan. Our message today remains consistent
4: with what we suggested following our Q4 2020 and our Q1 2021 results. We expect difficult financial comparatives relative to our 2020 results due to the at volumes experienced throughout the second half of 2020 and into Q1 2021. However, we still expect to see financial growth over our 2020 results, driven primarily through acquisitions, pre-need sales, market share growth, and continued improvements in our operating performance. We are proud of the hard work demonstrated by our team this quarter, and the second quarter's results align perfectly with our prior messaging and expectations. Our growth profile remains the best in our profession and will be part of our success for the foreseeable future. Further acquisitions of high quality businesses, on-site developments, and inventory expansion remain key focuses for Parklawn. Our frontline operation teams perform day in and day out and are clearly the cornerstone to Parklawn's success. While the past year and a half has been nothing short of challenging, it is this group of employees that continue to put our client families first and provide them and their communities with meaningful experiences in celebrating the lives of their loved ones. As we have repeatedly stated, We are not a consolidator. Instead, we're an operator of funeral homes and cemetery businesses that grows through acquisitions. I believe strongly that it is this vision that makes us different, makes us successful, and is fundamental to continued performance in a high-touch profession such as death care. That concludes our prepared remarks, and I will now turn it over for any questions.
1: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touch tone phone. You will hear a three tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be polled in the order that they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press the star followed by the two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Your first question comes from Irene Nattell from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
6: Thanks and good morning, gentlemen. Um, in your opening remarks, you mentioned that uh, you saw a seven percent increase in revenue per call in Q two. Where would that sir, Where would that take us relative to pre COVID levels? Are, are like have we fully caught up, or is there more catch up to do?
4: So uh, you notice that this time we're comparing it back to Q1 of 2021. 20, uh, so that's a 7% increase over last quarter. Uh, given that even last quarter, Irene was a 7% increase over Q1 2020, that's a pretty significant increase over let's call a pre-pandemic uh, average. So if you ask me if we've caught up, uh, that's a tough question, right? Because there was the dip that happened in 2020. We clearly... Uh, exceeded what the averages were pre-pandemic, but what makes it difficult for us to figure out is we were also working on those averages as part of the integration of our businesses and continuing to make this a better company. Uh, Do I expect our averages to continue uh, to increase or or, uh, get better? Yes. Do I expect them to be a 7% increase every quarter? No. I think what you're seeing is what we started talking about actually in August of 2020 Uh, we strongly felt that the moment these uh, restrictions were lifted in the different territories or different markets they were in, that families would go back to their preferred choices, uh, you know, basically remembering their loved ones with services and memorialization. And that's exactly what we're seeing now.
6: That's really helpful. Thanks, Brad. And then, um, you you know, obviously on the M&A side, you announced those two transactions yesterday. What does the pipeline look like at this point in time? And, you know, what's your general sense of um now that things are to some degree normalizing, the you know, is there more willingness, less willingness, unchanged in terms of those who might have been thinking about selling to actually engage in, in discussions?
4: So I would almost Rename it. In front, instead of calling it a pipeline now, Irene, I'd almost call it a queue uh, to answer the question, meaning we're getting a number of, we're a number of phone calls to the point uh, that, that we're telling good businesses or good owners that if they want to join Parklawn, that they're going to have to wait into next year because that's the level of activity that we're seeing. So when we're getting phone calls uh, from broker deals and they say, you've got 30 days to respond and this and we need to have it done by the end of the year, we're just telling those people no uh, because we can't get to those acquisitions right now given the the number of people that want to join ParkLine. So four out of the five acquisitions we've had have been non-broker deals that were just dealing with ParkLine because that's where those people wanted to sell their business to, and those are the people that we're focusing on. So it, that is a very strong way of saying, and this could change in a quarter or two quarters or three quarters, and if it does, I will tell you, but it's less of a pipeline now where we're going out and and trying to get people to come to us, and more of us just dealing with the good folks that want to join our company.
6: I think this is what my grandmother used to call a golden problem um, but but just just thinking this through. Um, what would have to happen for you to increase your ability to serve, to just i guess to handle a higher pace of of deal inflow?
4: i'm not sure that we would even do that uh kind of okay. kind of contrary to that uh i i think it, if you look back to how we describe park lawn and what we believe internally in this company we are firm believers that we operate funeral homes and cemeteries and part of acquiring them means we have to integrate them and continuing to operate them in the manner in which the former owners and the employees remain proud. It's a circular argument. By doing that, more former owners, more premier businesses want to join us, and that's what causes that queue. So what's, what really tempers our acquisition activity is the same group of people that are working on acquiring them is the same group of people that are integrating them and then operating them later. We don't have different teams. We all own this. And so really, Irene, we could add more people uh, to bring acquisition on quicker, but it is our belief that if we did that, we then wouldn't be able to integrate them and operate them. And eventually you break that that uh, queue, and you start talking about a pipeline again, and then you start talking about having to go out and overpay for businesses to get them to join you. Uh, so, I kind of like our acquisition activity. I think 2019 was a high watermark. I think 2021 uh, will also show that we're very capable of doing a lot of acquisitions, but I'm not going to leave anyone with the impression that we're going to continue, that we're going to even ramp that up further, uh, because I just don't think we can do things the way we like to do around here if we start making more acquisitions and kind of the the steady drumbeat that we like to see. Uh,
6: That's a great answer. And then just one more for me finally, just uh, quickly, and you know which one is coming, uh, the IT platform, um, where are we? I think last quarter we were kind of, uh, we had done a live test. Where are we at this point, and, and are we still on track with the timeline?
4: We are still on track with the timeline. We expect our cemeteries to be online by the end of this year. Uh, then we'll flip the focus more to the funeral homes. Uh, we did it in that reverse order. Well, I say reverse order. We did it in that order because we believe we would get uh, the most impact out of the cemeteries. Uh, <clears throat> COVID continues to cause us headaches with that. I mean, cause sometimes we can get in places and sometimes we can't. That's now gone, so our ability or for our folks to travel around it's a lot easier. And also, as we continue to do acquisitions, the same IT team that's rolling out FAX is the same IT team that I basically dispersed to, to, uh, to two locations in Mississippi this week, and we'll be dispersing next week to Tennessee. So it, it, it's not going, I guess, it's going as we planned. I'd like it to go faster, but we're still on track from what we've been telling you from the beginning.
6: That is great. Thanks so much
1: your next question comes from George from Scotia Bank please go ahead yeah thanks uh, good morning guys
4: Good morning George uh,
7: just looking at your, your adjusted EBITDA margin um, it looks like we saw about a hundred basis points plus contraction quarter over quarter is that just mix uh, can you maybe talk to what happened there and I guess you know looking at the margins would you expect continued pressure in the second half and then rise next year into the 26 percent kind of goal that you guys Called out.
4: Well, uh, at the end of last quarter, I mentioned that uh, we. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a pullback on the margins, simply due to the drop of the at-need calls that we had. I mean, no one was saying, uh, no one predicted, and no one thought that we would have a 27% margin uh, in Q1 of 2021. So we did predict. A, or I, I predicted that there would be a small pullback from that based on that. So what's less of a mixed question and more of, a, of the fact that the at-need uh, call volume dropped uh, because of the drop in the COVID-related COVID deaths. Quite frankly, George, we are very pleased that it's at 26% or 25.8% for this quarter because that's basically the goal that we were heading for anyway. And when you're talking about a normalized – kind of call volume situation with the new acquisitions coming in uh, at a 26% margin. I mean, we're talking to you guys about having a 26% margin by the end of 2022. And I would be really surprised if we can't maintain margins at this level or above on a go forward basis. I mean, it's, it's going to be in this range as we predicted it would be.
7: Okay. That's helpful, Brett. Thanks. And um, rightfully so you called um, COVID a trigger event uh, as it relates to the premium business I know it's a difficult question to answer, but like, how long do you think this lasts for? Is, is it a couple of quarters? Is it longer? Any thoughts there?
4: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, the, this, the, the, we were first asked, asked the question back in August of 2020, and, and I, I'm not going to take credit for that. It was Jay Dodds who said, look, this is going to be a trigger event and a big deal going forward. And if, if you look back to the transcripts of these calls, we started kind of preaching that um and so it's very difficult to start putting a time limit on it but we've also said we think it's not going to be a short-term issue so 18 to 24 months from kind of the time that 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 the COVID thing starts to really back down or COVID deaths start to really back down uh is is about what we're thinking but you know george your guess is as good as mine right this has been a big impact on a lot of people and could be for a long time and when you talk about a trigger event, you're really just talking about the ability for our, our salespeople to be able to start a conversation about death and what that planning looks like if that were to occur. COVID-19 has clearly put that in the front of mind of everyone in the U.S., so it makes the conversation start easier. So the question you're really asking is, when does that wane? So I say 18 to 24 months, but if we're in 18 to 24 months from now and these numbers are still high, it's because people are still thinking about what happened in 2020.
7: Okay, that's helpful. And just one last one, if I may. As we've been putting on more and more funeral-based assets compared to to a few years ago, um, in theory, we should be taking on more leverage. Um, So so just wondering, what would be your comfort zone at this point um, as it relates to the balance sheet?
5: Yeah, George, um, you know, I think we've kind of been alluding to this over the last few quarters, but, you know, simply put, um, we're, we're much more comfortable taking on some more leverage from where we are today. Um, you know, I don't want to put a, a target on it because I find when you put a target on something, you start managing to that number, and, and with the capital stack, it's it's very fluid, and, and things are changing daily. Um, but, again, simply put, you know, we have an appetite to use more debt in our structure uh, based on the risk profile of the company. Um, you know, I, I mentioned in my remarks, um, the credit markets are very, um, are very forthcoming to us right now. Um, we're looking at our credit facility to make sure, you know, we've got the right amount of availability uh, for our growth and expansion plans. Um, so, you know, where we sit today at kind of 2.4 times or, you know, 1.5 times, depending on how you look at it, you know, we expect it to increase from there.
7: Okay, right. Thanks for your Good luck.
1: Your next question comes from Scott Promson from CIBC. Please go ahead.
3: Thank you, and good morning, gentlemen. Um, just wondering if you could, uh, you can break down uh, the, um, a little bit of the uh, the per call growth. So are you able to are you able to break down the per call growth rates between cemetery and funeral home? And, and are you able to provide a little bit more color on absolute uh, levels currently versus uh, pre-pandemic levels? So do you mean on the call
4: mix? Is that what you're referring to?
3: Yeah, I mean, ba- basically, you know, uh, like like uh s c i gives uh average uh, per call revenue for for a funeral home and and it doesn't do so for for cemetery but it, are are you able to to provide something similar to that i mean no, let's, what, yeah. uh, i was just gonna say uh s c i put in uh thirteen percent growth per funeral home service um, call and and you know on a total of uh twenty percent uh uh, organic growth 34 from cemetery. You, you know, I look, look, recognizing that your real growth number is 13%. I'm just wondering if you can, if you can kind of put it in, in context with SCI's uh, uh, performance. So the 7% uh,
4: average growth number that we gave you is on the funeral homes. Uh, and the reason why SCI wouldn't give you or doesn't, I guess, give you an a average growth in the cemetery is the same reason you don't hear that from us. It kind of moves up and down, and there are things that are in the quarter and not in the quarter based on what you recognize and don't recognize. So there, it just doesn't really tell you whether there's a growth or a retraction. Uh, so, no, we don't have that number. We don't track that number, quite frankly, because it doesn't do us any good. But when they're talking about the average uh, contract growth—they're talking about funeral homes, just like we are. So, Scott, no, I don't have it for you on the cemetery side because we don't pay attention to that anyway.
3: Yeah, look, I, I recognize it's a weird time, and it's uh, it's always a little bit of a, a tricky mix. But um, uh, that's uh, that's that's helpful. Uh, and just uh, wondering about the two uh, acquisitions post quarter. You know, you're. You've talked about a six to eight times guidance range. Can you comment on where in the range these fall? Uh, are, and are you seeing, you know, um, notwithstanding the the volume of incoming calls, are you seeing any price uh, pressure on multiples? Right. So uh, it def- the
4: the purchases of both of those businesses fall within that range, and they fall and and we consistently tell you guys that. We obviously are not uh, putting our purchase prices out there. We learned a very valuable lesson with that, that that was used against us by competitors. But they definitely fall within that range. We are not seeing any pressure on us for purchase price uh, increases or, or uh, even on multiple increases. Now, uh, to my knowledge, uh, there hasn't been a lot of activity in the uh acquisition market by the other two publicly traded companies. Um, As a matter of fact, pretty limited. I think SCI mentioned that they had uh, deployed $10 million this year uh, in acquisitions and that they intend to do more by the end of the year. That could put pressure on this if we go head-to-head with them on a deal, but that hasn't been the case as of late. And I haven't seen Carriage Services being a competitor to ours in a year and a half. So really what we're doing is going in and valuing these businesses in a way that the that the owners can understand, and then we share it with them. We tell them how we get there and how we plan on running their business on a go-forward basis. So that, we're not seeing any price pressure yet, uh, but if the other two publicly traded companies uh, start getting very active in the acquisition market, uh, that could actually cause an impact, but I don't anticipate that to affect the people who are wanting to join us.
3: Thanks, Brad. That's helpful. Just one quick question, maybe for Dan. Uh, what's your current thinking on shifting to uh, USD reporting?
5: Yes, yeah, Scott. I think you asked that same question last time, and I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you the same thing then that or now that I did then. But um, you know, I have nothing in, to announce today. But you know, with eighty-eight uh, percent of our revenue coming from the U.S. and that number growing, um, it is something we are we are active on, and you know, I, I think it's inevitable.
3: Great. Thanks very much, gentlemen. I'll turn it over. Thanks, Scott.
1: Your next question comes from Daryl Young from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Morning, everyone.
8: Uh, Good morning. Question around the call volumes. I think you said they have normalized from pre-pandemic levels uh, during during the quarter. And would you expect, as we go into the back half of the year, um, that those would actually decline just given the, the drop in that need um from covid related i guess is that in your thinking when you say you would expect year over year
3: growth
4: so uh, i if i understand the question correctly we did see uh, we did see a decline in call volume on the at need side for the comparable stores right so you you, are, uh, you and i would expect that we would see uh comparatively uh in the third and fourth quarter of 2021 compared to 2020, you'll still, you'll still see up-off in the comparable store, store's call volume because the COVID-related deaths aren't in there. We do not, however, expect uh, the total call volume to decrease because we've brought acquisitions on since those periods in 2020. We brought them on in 2021, and we're not done in 2021. So while the comparable store uh, is definitely going to have an impact, because, look, the COVID deaths went away, thank goodness, Uh, and, but our, our company is a, is a growth story. We're continuing to grow by acquisition. So unlike, you know, other of our competitors that might see an overall volume increase or an overall call drop, you're going to see ours, uh, increasing because I mean, we're deploying a fair amount of cash given our size and we're growing at a pretty good clip given our size. So that's going to make up with that gap and you're going to see a total volume uh, increase I would suspect in Q3 and Q4.
8: Okay, fair enough. But I guess maybe the different way to say it would be would you expect it to, to be versus 2019, would you expect your at-need volumes, are, are you assuming that they would be below 2019 levels?
4: Not – no way. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, they, were, they, were, they should be – I mean, with the acquisitions that we've made, uh, as well as the fact that the 2019 numbers, I mean, we we shouldn't be losing – market share or comparable store growth at all to a 2020, 2019 comparison not even close, so I would say that it you would see a substantial increase in call volume over a twenty nineteen number for twenty twenty one
8: including on an or, on a same store basis
4: i would think so yeah and we're in the okay, business correct. of growing these yeah we're in the we're, we're, again we're we're operators we're in the i i expect that our same store are not losing market share and are not losing call volume. That's not our model. <laughs> we, we go in and buy them and improve them, not, not go in and buy them and lose call volume to other people.
8: Okay. And then on the margin front, just is there any mixed considerations right now with the very strong pre-need sales that would, would keep margins lower than potentially a, a normalized run rate? Um, I guess I'm just trying to flush out how much of your operating improvements are in there versus versus mix
4: yeah no i'm not really concerned about that uh at all on the mix side i mean it, you know our pre-need sales whether it's funeral home or cemetery that's just locking in future business and generally you're put you're selling that at a higher uh at a higher cost anyway or higher average anyway so no i i don't see that as being a problem when i talk about the operational performance there's two things that's going in there right one is continuing to grow market share which is which goes to your previous question where we I mean we're constantly focusing on the grassroots and how we continue to make these businesses better on a market share basis, but also the other things that go into operational performance, expenses, things of that nature that we need to focus on, uh, uh, how we sell things, developing other properties, things of like. I mean that's truly operating the business and continue to focusing on our operational performance. But no I don't see the pre-need sales affecting that at all.
8: Okay, that, that's great color. Thanks, thanks guys.
1: Your next question comes from Zachary Evershield from National Bank. Please go ahead.
8: Morning, everyone. Congrats on the quarter. Good morning. Thank you. So great color so
2: far on margins and acquisitions. I think most of my questions have been answered there. So I guess could you tell us a little more about the rationale behind the sale of your stake in Parkland?
4: Yeah, so that was a business that was purchased prior to the current management team coming in. And the way that that business was structured or purchased was we owned 50% of it and the former owner owned 50% of it. Uh, and this is not to speak to his character at all. As a matter of fact, I think he is a very good business uh, individual and a very good person and runs a very good business. Uh, but anybody on this phone call who's been partners with anybody understands that a 50-50 deal is generally not what you want. Someone's got to be in control of the business. So we approached him about buying 100% of the business, and he basically said, well, I would like to talk to you about buying it back. Uh, so it was someone was going to have to buy and someone was going to have to sell. It wasn't necessarily in a market that we thought we could grow in. As a, as a matter of fact, he owned the market, and I think he's going to own it for quite some time. Uh, so we sold our 50% back uh, to him and, and we're going to deploy those assets, hopefully very, deploy that capital hopefully very quickly back into Canada if, we have, if I have my way before the end of 2021. So the theory behind that was quite simple. Uh, someone it was a 50/50 deal. you will never hear us do 50/50 deals going forward. It was a legacy transaction. It made sense to both parties. We parted very amicably. Uh, we would support him if he needed any help from us whatsoever. Uh, the end is really what
2: happened there. And that makes a ton of sense. And then I guess the answer is probably no, given the ownership structure. But are there any other strategic divestments that could
1: boost your liquidity?
4: No, and we're not really in the divestment business anyway. Uh, you know, it, it, it was a struggle to do that. Good EBITDA is hard to come by. You guys know that. Um, and again, there was no problem with this business at all. And I want to make that clear because he has it going forward. And, uh, so it was a little bit of a struggle to even talk about giving up good EBITDA. Uh, but no, we're not interested in divesting, uh, any of our businesses at this point in time.
6: Thanks. Appreciate the color. I'll turn it over.
1: Your next question comes from Maggie McDougall from Stifle. Please go ahead.
0: Thanks. Um, following up on a bunch of different uh, questions, I, I just was curious, the platform that you guys have now and, uh, you know, once you're fully live on your IT system, what kind of revenue do you think that that can support? In other words, if I'm thinking about, like, outside of the next quarter or two um, and about the three- to five-year view, Uh, considering the scope of opportunity you you likely will have to build your business through acquisitions, um, how much can you do on the current platform before adding considerable G&A?
4: Thanks. So good question. As far as the IT infrastructure is concerned or the software package, it's completely scalable. As a matter of fact, that, that would not be a concern at all. When you start talking about GNA, you're really talking about you know what, what's going to happen when we add these additional acquisitions and what we're gonna need from a support basis. Most of them have the operations teams in place. We may add a VP of ops or a director of operations here and there, but most of the operations folks are baked into the deal. So what you really see us having to look at is you've got HR, you've got accounting, and you've got IT. And most of that infrastructure that we built out in 2019 when it was the painful conversations when we were telling you folks that we were building that because we knew this was coming, that's in place. So when we add multiple acquisitions, you you may see us adding an additional, you know, resource in accounting over time or an additional resource in IT or an additional resource in HR, but it's not like we have to add individuals every time we make an acquisition or a lot of them. In other words, it's, it's very incremental, uh, and it's what you would expect we would do. I mean, if we double in size and revenue, we're clearly going to have a larger corporate infrastructure, but it doesn't mean it's going to double. Uh, it's just an incremental, um, an incremental step. So I'm very comfortable that the infrastructure we have right now is a good baseline, but you're going to see it grow, but it's going to grow in line with the acquisition.
0: Right, um, and then another question. This is a bit, a, a bit uh, maybe off, um, off the firm. But uh, we've seen over the last ten years a number of consumer-facing businesses use technology in ways that give them scalability of their sales approach to sales and marketing. And it's happening right now in, in automotive. It's happened in a bunch of other industries yours is a very people oriented business and to date doesn't appear to be one that's had much change in terms of omni channel approach. But I'm really curious if there is anything like that on the horizon where you're seeing some interesting, you know, online marketplaces pop up or if you've thought about it internally because the you know, the the, the players with scale are the ones that can implement those 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 processes, and and usually it can result in in sort of a dominant uh, situation um, over time.
4: Uh, Yes, so that's a good question and a new one for sure. Uh, I think, and if you listen to Tom Ryan when he talked in the last quarter on the SCI call, the pandemic has been a wake-up call for what was effectively been a stagnant funeral industry on change when it comes to IT. Uh, and so leaning on your CRM system uh, better, leaning on your IT infrastructure, uh, infrastructure more, definitely became something that was required during the pandemic, and, and we all realized that it was, it was very beneficial uh, to the bottom line to do that. As a result, uh, Jay put a team together uh, of people here in our office that basically is looking at different IT bolt-ons to our FACTS program, different things that we can work on, basically putting a new set of eyes on what's out there and seeing what we can build because we know that real, that relying on IT is uh, on a go-forward basis is going to be yet another strategic advantage. So, Maggie, you asked the question. Uh, I'm not really ready to talk about what exactly we're going to do on that. You're ahead of me a little bit, but that's a good question because it, it, requir- it I think it caused all of us in this industry to focus on that, and mm-hmm. we're not going to be last when it comes to figuring out how to leverage that. We're going to be first.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, okay, great. We'll, we'll, we'll stay posted for that. Thanks a lot.
3: Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from Scott Promson from CIBC. Please go ahead.
3: Hi, gentlemen. Just a quick uh, follow up. What are you seeing on inflation in terms of uh, effect on margins, both uh, from uh, pre need pricing and, uh, well, I guess pre need and at need pricing and uh, operating costs?
4: So, no impact yet. But it's a topic of discussion around here. We, I mean, obviously, if you, if you know, all you have to do is pick up the newspaper and uh, or, or go online in the U.S. and you're reading about COVID and inflation. So um, it has not had an impact on us yet. Uh, nor has the labor shortage. I haven't been asked that question. I was asked that last quarter. I mean, those are, I mean, those are things we're reading about in the headlines. But it hasn't gotten to us yet. When it gets to us or if it gets to us, we'll figure out how to deal with it. But, you know, nothing yet, Scott, is the answer.
3: Great. Thanks Thanks very much.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by one. There are no further questions at this time. Please proceed.
4: I would like to thank everyone for joining us on the call today, and I hope all you all have a great weekend. Thanks a lot.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines.